Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika, and today with our, our guest, Clay, and he's going to pronounce his own last name. Uh, Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Sorry about that, Clay. I just realized I still have not learned. Your, I know your wife, Chris, bless her heart, gave me this fabulous, you know, phonetic training. And then I immediately had another glass of wine and I forgot. So help us out here. <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult name. It, it's a, both a curse and a blessing, I think. But it's pronounced Zobalak as if the D wasn't there. And okay. the word is, it means conqueror in Polish. And so there's always that little fun fact what I throw out there to make it all worthwhile, I think. I like well, it. Well, Clay, as a fellow, as Kelly Soika, a yeah. Polish last name, I yeah. feel your pain. I know how that goes. Slavic uh, yeah. solidarity. So unite. And, and we're going to unite under your leadership, apparently, since you're the conqueror. Well, guys, <laughs> we invited Clay uh, today because he is one of our explorers here at Co-Housing Houston. And he comes to Co-Housing Houston with kind of an interesting background and a little bit of a different perspective than we've heard from um, a lot of other explorers, and definitely a little bit different than we've discussed on, uh, on this podcast. So he's kind of a renaissance man. He knows a lot of things about a lot of things. And um, he's also lived alternative living situations throughout his, his lifetime. So he brings, draws some, some really different experiences. But the thing that is, I think, the most interesting is that he has a background in anthropology and kind of mm. comes to co-housing with that eye. He looks at things from that um, perspective. And so one of the words that he uses when he talks about co-housing is communitarianism. And so today we thought we would bring Clay on and uh, and grill him a little bit about his communitarianism, <laughs> communitarianism <I'm>, thoughts. <laughs> so yeah, it's hi, funny. Clay. It, you know, it's funny as I, when I used that word initially uh, in a meeting, I, I used it assuming that it would actually be kind of vague and uninteresting, but just kind of uninteresting and descriptive. And then suddenly people are like, what, what is, tell me more about it. I was like, oh no, I have to think about this. <laughs> and now you're on the record, like yeah, beware. Exactly. Now I have to have, yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, actually I have to tell you before we get going seriously, this is actually payback for all those long lectures that you've held at our few um, Baco, you know, social gatherings with a yeah, true. pint of beer in your hand and we're all listening to you and you really behave like a professor of anthropology. So we just thought we'd <laughs> give you a venue to really let rip. Yeah, I believe, I believe one of the other explorers referred to me as loquacious and I had, yes, to, I had to go and look that word up. And so I'll, I'll be fighting against that tendency. Okay, well, for the record, I'll just say it right now. I do not find you loquacious. I find you just interesting. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you were willing to come and join us today and, and talk a little bit more about this, um, especially because I think that a lot of people don't know what communitarianism is. That's probably why that that word kind of um, right. you know piques people's interest. So so how about it? Will you give us kind of your your back of the uh, back of the napkin calculation of what is communitarianism right. and and also. <laughs> How do you know when you see it? Because it's kind of an ephemeral concept. Right. Um, well, I, I'm using it in kind of a very vague and probably like apologistic sense because there, there are people who use that word to mean really specific things. Um, 
to mean very specific like political ideologies or projects. And I don't really mean that uh, because a lot of those things are either uh, far right or far left, or they're just very niche and mm-hmm. uh, they're not what I'm really getting at. What I mean when I was trying to put out like a digestible word was that communitarianism is the basic understanding of a person or a group of people that human beings, homo sapiens, need to live in a community to be healthy, functioning humans. And that there's a penchant to want to make those things that like if, if you're just living a normal life, most likely you're probably not in very strong communities like in our society. Mm. And so communitarianism basically says like, we should make those things right now intentionally and go about designing them. And so it's basically just a, uh, a belief that there needs to be community now. <laughs> and so you need to make it. So what do you look for when you, how do you know it when you see it? Like, do you ever, you know, encounter a group and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a group of communitarians. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> you know, maybe more recently. I mean, it's definitely not just a group of people. That's not a community. I mean, I guess if a group of people run into the long enough, they'll just be forced to become a community just through habit. <laughs> There's a lot of ways people can get together. That's not really community, like at a job not every job really has a community what unites those people is often just the boss or um, the project but not necessarily a sim- yeah clay is frozen this is one of the problems of our technology he'll be back yeah, he's coming back i can tell he's gonna come back i'm gonna i'm gonna reel him in, Reeling him in. <laughs> across the wires yeah yeah there it's he- gonna be he's back you know, you froze just temporarily, Clay, so. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, uh, to get on with what I was saying is basically that, you know, it's not just a group of people. It needs to be a group of people that um, have a common maybe vision or a common culture or at least a sense of common intimacy and references that they can kind of feel that they can move in, that they can kind of interact with each other on a kind of understood basis of maybe semi-safety and semi-understood relationships. That reminds me of something I've heard you talk about, Clay, when you talk about entrainment, that groups of people like like a good jazz band plays together. Is that something that froze. you know? Oh, I was just saying, you know, it reminds me of when you've talked about entrainment. Right. That, that is, you know, a sign of, of a community really is people who are working together, uh, independently working together. Right. Yeah, I actually was, I first was exposed to this word entrainment uh, from the utopian fiction writer Ursula K. Le Guin in like a short story. Um, And so I looked at, I thought it was a word she made up, but I looked it up and it's actually an old word. Um, It's used in music very often Mm. to refer to kind of getting in a groove or Mm. being in the pocket is a term that's used. The kind of rapport that exists um, where you sync up behavior. Entrainment just means the sinking of behavior. So even hmm. physical objects will do this. If you put a bunch of metronomes next to each other, they will entrain together. It's a wow. it's a physiological phenomenon, but it's also a, a sociocultural phenomenon. So even just a good conversation, you'll notice that you pace with each other well, you kind of anticipate hmm. what the person's gonna say. That's in a sense entrainment. And for a community entrainment is people slowly get into a rhythm with each other. They have understood uh, expectations and rules Mm. and a vision of where they're going and how fast they're gonna get there. And so 
you'll kind of know a communitarian community or just a healthy community if it seems like they're in that rhythm, they're in this kind of shared uh, time and symbolic state. They kind of, they know what motivates each other. They know the special needs of each other and they know who can perform what well and that kind of thing. And, um, it's sort yeah, of like, it's sort of like when, make... you know, long, long decades, couples or families that, uh, you know, harmonize well together where you yeah, can kind of anticipate or finish each other's sentences. And we definitely have had, I know we've had little sparks of that in our group where we have known, okay, so-and-so is going to do this next and I right. can see where this is going to go. And it's, it's a really it's a comforting feeling. And I think it gives people a feeling of belonging and kind of being in a solid, somehow a yeah. solid container, if that even applies It's like you're part of something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So outside of co-housing, I know that that's one of the things that has drawn you here, but I was wondering, you know, most people have had some experiences in their lives that also help them um, kind of figure out that they want to live in community. So I was wondering kind of what you've experienced that that made you decide that this is what you want or, you know, the direction that you want your life to go in to be more communitarian. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with like a large family kind of in rural parts of Texas and Louisiana. And those I remember fondly, even though other people, you know, <laughs> other people are hell, but other people are also heaven kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I've also you know, lived on a small farm that was really intimate, open about vision and dignity. Um, my wife and I have traveled abroad and have lived in things that are pretty much the Southeast Asian version of kibbutzes um, or just intimate small homestays. And then of course, uh, more recently in the last few years, there's been a number of natural disasters on the Gulf mm. Coast <laughs> and they're kind of temporary. I mean, there's one that just happened. I know. Still going on uh, today, apparently. Yeah, we're dating <laughs> the podcast. But um, they're temporary communities. But these moments of sort of mutual aid groups that come together, whether it's a church, because uh, I've been part of like church mm -hmm. uh, aid projects, giving out food. And I've been part of like activist groups trying to get supplies to homeless people or clean out flooded houses, even those moments take on these strange, um, they kind of, they're magical and a, and mm -hmm. a weird thing. You, you kind of walk away from them or maybe you notice in the midst of them, but you probably don't, that you're having a really nice time and that you feel some relief from like the grind of the day to day. Um, and so, I, you know, I've had lots of like little mini um, communitarian projects. In fact, where I live now, um, is like a, I live in a townhouse now and I have, I live with my wife and two roommates and we intentionally got a real estate agent after having multiple apartments where it was just mm. by ourselves or Chris and I, Chris, my wife, my wife and I, um, we got a real estate agent just being like, let's find a place together and mm. let's find a nice place that has like a common mm -hmm. area and common amenities that we can really enjoy together. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, even that has been a kind of micro co-housing yeah. project yeah. with. Well, that, yeah, that's great, Clay, because that kind of leads us to kind of the next area we wanted to ask you a little bit about is, you know, how do you see co-housing fulfilling some of the elements of communitarianism? It's almost like it's an expansion of this right. mini, mini yes. co-housing, co-living scene you've got going. Yeah, I, you know, uh, it was a friend of mine who introduced me to y'all's project, um, my friend Jacob, who's also an explorer, and um, I, I remember walking away from the first, like, presentation y'all had of being like, oh my god, like, I can't believe something like this is going on, and I don't think the people doing it necessarily realize how uh, really kind of radical they're being. Um, <laughs> And I don't, I don't know if I use the term communitarian then, but I was radical like, when you show up with a PowerPoint, Clay. So, right, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so the co-housing project y'all got going that I have uh, latched myself onto for a little while to see see how it is um, is definitely loudly communitarian in, in at least three ways. Uh, one of which is that y'all clearly have a shared vision and a shared culture. Um, in fact, I would say y'all are very, you talk a lot about the shared vision and y'all seem to spend a lot of time articulating like, what are we doing together? And why are we doing this? And we care about this thing moving forward in this community. Uh, and you have images and stories and expectations. People there have talked about their wishes. Mm -hmm. And so there's a common vision. There's clearly a common culture that's emerging because of just constant internal references, inside jokes, uh, events y'all have together. Um, the second thing would be that y'all have a shared communally managed space. Mm -hmm. um, right now, it's you know, digital and documents and things like that, but that's still a space. Um, but in the future, you're going to have a physical geographic space in which you're going to, as a community, govern it horizontally. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the really loud. From the outside, anyone could be like, oh, that's a communitarian project huh. and um the kicker the one that really struck me is like if, if this wasn't part of it i don't know that i'd be talking to you right now but the fact that y'all do things with a consensual decision making process uh is really impressive i'd be curious to talk to y'all some other time about how you, this even came into being a priority um but that's a that is just his horizontal direct democracy and hmm. that's a really powerful way to build community and to make people feel empowered and to have like a long lasting community that's not just going to fall apart when there's like a petty tyrant or something like that but y'all have major pillars of communitarianism going on wow. whether or not y'all intended who to who knew i love it i if this is like going to a uh going to, uh, uh, you know, like my retirement dinner and people are talking about all the great things that I did. And I had like no idea, right. you know, <laughs> just like so amazed. Who is this? Yeah. Yep. I'm applauding y'all. Well, one of the things um, that I would love to hear about Clay, because you're not a member. And so for you to be able to observe a little bit more, you know, dispassionately, particularly as we just went through the whole budget and value engineering process, I was wondering if there are some areas that communitarianism, you know, some things like you, you should watch out for, like, are there things that, you know, might wobble or, you know, things that any community needs to be on guard for, or, you know, as we kind of like yeah. 
enter into this phase of now looking back on what we've just experienced with the with the budget stuff you know i wonder are there things we should kind of dissect and look for you know and maybe just something you you think of when you think about communitarian communities right well every community i imagine whether it's your family or you know, a utopian co-housing project is always going to be in danger of producing like an elite, mm -hmm. um, either because it's just informal, because some people are more charismatic or they've been around longer, mm. um, or just because there's actual formalized roles that make people feel more powerful, that they have a right to say something or like, I did more of this stuff or, you know, I'm the one who made the designs for this and you know how dare you question it and mm -hmm. um you know I, it's kind of like if you remember back to like high school when you had to do group projects it's very easy for some <laughs> people who are sh more shy um to kind of get stuck with doing a lot of work or not having a lot of say and maybe they build up resentment because they don't have the means or the practice of actually voicing kind of themselves in front of the collective or in front of the vanguard of people that sort of run in. So um, it's, it's always possible that people who are more meek or less charismatic or mm -hmm. don't have the same kind of resources in a community might feel that they're supposed to be quiet and to not make waves mm -hmm. or they might just kind of hold it in because they don't know how. Um, but I have noticed that y'all seem to really go out of your way to kind of not allow that as much as like I, I mean I'm sure it's always going to happen there's always going to be different individuals with different dynamics and things like that but I do feel like y'all have gone out of your way to really try and get consensus and to make uh, some of the kind of quieter people involved feel empowered or feel safe to say something um, because in the end a common critique of communitarianism is that it's the opposite or the enemy of the individual. Mm. And I don't think that's, not only do I think that's not right, that's not even, it's not wrong. It's not even wrong, I would say. It's not a coherent concept because there's no such thing as a, a person, an individual who isn't the product of a community, of your family, your peers and your eco region, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you, in a sense, your identity is an amalgam of the cultural and interpersonal forces that brought you into being. And in the same sense, every community is uh, the product of all the individual preferences and dynamics and personalities involved. And so they're basically two sides of the same coin. And I don't think community has to be the enemy of the individual or vice versa. And so that's usually the trap is that one of those becomes dominant, maybe individual egos mm. and personalities can become tyrannical or loud or just gain a lot of social capital or a community can really squash a lot of individual initiative uh, and person individual quirks and personalities, but I don't that will that will always be a permanent um, tension between mm -hmm. community and individual and there's only really one answer to that, which is vigilance and practice and compassion, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. And, and I think they were doing it well. That. Yeah, I think we should talk about that, not at this moment, but at some point in the future, I think that yeah. might be an interesting conversation. The ways that, that co-housing communities lift up the quieter voices yeah. and, and quiet down the louder voices. Yeah, I've been shocked that y'all really empower explorers, honestly. I, you know, the first few times I've gone, I was like, I'm not gonna 
be involved. I'm just some goofball watching. And then suddenly people were asking me like, well, what do you think? And I was like, what do I think? I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't count. Some, yeah, I'm just some goofball in this. We get the bleachers. best ideas from explorers though. Cause I think that, you know, there's something really wonderful yeah. about not having um, any skin in the game. People are able That's to true. say things, you know, it's that a are wild like, card. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fantastic. Well, but you know, Clay. Also, part of the, the the design around that is that we want an explorer. Part of your experience as an explorer is to be able to taste and feel and really experiment with participation in the group. And if you can't do that until after you've committed as a member, then what is the point of the explorer period? Yeah, you know. Yeah, so I, it's actually very reassuring, I think, to us to hear you say that we are really. Um, committed to the explorer having that opportunity to kind of taste what it would be like on on the inside you know it's That's like getting a, a, a foretaste of the membership you know yeah maybe there's a kind of um mutual vetting going mm -hmm. on between yeah, the two of course. parties yeah you know? yeah because yeah. because when you apply for membership then there's you know you've made your decision and then on our side we have to vote you in because we're under an llc so right. it's a two-sided thing right so and so clay having come on our podcast today you now have the lynn and kelly check mark of somebody who's interesting who we like to talk to not that Ooh. our any greater weight than anyone else's but I really want to thank you for coming and having this conversation because I think that um, the, the conversations over a beer at Baco have been really great and really help us to think about things in a Agreed. different way. Yeah. Well, I, before I let him go, though, I do want him to tell us the two reasons why he is really drawn to our co-housing Houston project. I know he has two things that he will tell you. Yeah, he's always opinions. doing one or two or three things. So hit us up with those two things, Clay. Well, on the very individual personal level, the, one of the reasons that we've stuck around with the co-housing thing to see really what's going on is I just know for a fact now that that is something I need in my life. Um, I have had periods of my life where I didn't really have much of a community experience, um, where life was largely just work, errands, you know, eat. Uh, and those are really, really lonely, upsetting mm. times. And they can kind of, I'll, you can go through dark periods if you spend a lot of time by yourself and just kind of suffering through the day-to-day -day trials of life. And every single time I've experienced a sense of intimate community with other people, uh, it has pushed back against the darkness kind of. Mm -hmm. There's a strange, um, you know, it's, it's like a, a wolf suddenly experiencing a pack for the first time. Like there's a certain internal understanding that like, oh, this is actually the correct way of, of mm. living a life is, is with other people feeling safe. And, um, you know, you almost get an extension of who you are through other people. And that can be really, really uh, invigorating and empowering. And so honestly, I would say just, I'm interested one, because I, I just need to be part of something like this mm -hmm. or else. I don't know that I'll be able to maintain a healthy and happy lifestyle. Uh, but the other for kind of on a larger scale, maybe we have the whole individual communitarian dialectic going, but um, you know, I guess in the end, I'm, I can't deny that I'm sort of a utopian and what I want for the future of the species is I think 
it's only right that, <laughs> how do I put this? That the entire species basically have access to an international order that is a consensual community of consensual communities. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think there's only really one way to get to that kind of future and it's, you can't do it by passing laws for that people have to be in a community or something. And you can't really do it by having some silly revolution and blowing stuff up. The only way you can really get this fully human habitat is through practice. You have to practice community and you have to practice uh, producing communitarian culture. And so if no one's actually doing it, if no one's actually <laughs> producing the precedent, it's mm -hmm. just not gonna happen. It's just right? a silly utopian mm -hmm. thing that's in a book that's nice to read, or it's a temporary moment after a disaster, which, you know, Lynn has that great article about <laughs> disaster-free neighborly, neighborliness, and I, that should be permanent. And there's only one way to do that, and it's people like y'all who are making it happen. And so um, it is, to me, correct politics, basically. It is lovely, um, and it's, it has the promise of like political pleasure, which is a strange thing to think, but it's, it's a real possibility. And I think y'all are doing an amazing job so far. Thank you, Clay. Wow. Thank you. Take a bow. Take a bow. <laughs> yeah, zoom bow. And, and thank you to all of our listeners for stopping by today. I know after listening to Clay, some of you probably got your dictionaries out. So, you know, the words are entrainment, communitarianism, and a whole lot more. So thanks again for sharing your... Um, thank your, you all for having me so much. Yeah. It's, it's really nice talking to you. I had a nice yeah. time. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. See you next time. Come back again sometime, Clay. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>